the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He gives us these set of principles that differentiate us, that show us why we're different, how we're different. And then he says this, all of it's in context, just like Israel. These are our kingdom laws. These are our laws. These are our principles that we abide by. Praise to the God who reigns above. And so in light of this, because of how we're different, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its, its savor, its flavor, its saltiness, then with what shall it be salted? And descends in perfect love. And when you don't look any different than the world, and then you try to bring them your Jesus, that's exactly what they want to do. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Same reason as we've been covering the dietary laws and the laws of cleanliness and everything else we're going to find in Leviticus, that it would differentiate them so they could point the way to Jesus. As Christians, let's live different lives. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Leviticus. God has been giving the ceremonial laws to Moses for the Israelites. We have gone over the various offerings and sacrifices Aaron and the priests would administer in the nation's worship of God. We have seen that there were certain animals, diseases, and situations that made a person unclean and therefore unable to join the congregation for worship. We left off looking at certain skin conditions and leprosy. Today we will go over bodily excretions that would make an Israelite unclean to go worship at the tabernacle. It is important to remember that these laws are not for us to follow, but the principles of walking in God's holiness contrary to the world around us is how we are to live. At Calvary Chapel Orlando, we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, declaring the whole counsel of God in its proper context. Please note that this teaching may be considered inappropriate for younger listeners, as it does go over certain bodily secretions and topics that may be deemed mature for children. Listener discretion is advised. We join Pastor Will in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 13. Verse 13. Now, once you've got this problem, what happens when it's fixed? How do you re-enter the worship community? Verse 13. And when he that has an issue is cleansed of his issue, well, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing to make sure it's gone and wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in running water. Again, the idea of it's all going away. Even the dead skin is just going away and shall be clean. And then on the eighth day, he will take to him two turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's interesting because unlike the offering for the leper, which was huge, this is a very minimal cost offering here. He has to bring them and come before the Lord under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. He'll give those two birds to the priest. The priest shall offer both of them. One doesn't go free this time. One for a sin offering, one for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord for his bodily fluid discharge. You know, even though it wasn't his fault, again, this shows us just how serious sin is, that even unintentional wrong behavior falls short of God's glory. 
People have a problem with that sometimes. Like, well, I didn't mean to do that. Okay, they still messed up, though. They still fell short. I mean, and we do that. You know, we don't wake up and go, I'm going to get in a knockdown, blowout fight with my wife today. But sometimes that happens, right? We didn't intend to do that, but we got hurt or we had a misunderstanding and our temper got the better of us. And we ended up going into a place we shouldn't have gone with our behavior. Well, the Lord holds us accountable for that, too. It's not just the times we dastardly do something and we knowingly do something. It's the times when we, we just mess up. It's sin that still falls short of God's mark. And so it shows here that, yeah, they didn't want to do this, but hey, it's a picture of how all sin, you know, is an affront to God and shows you why we need a savior. Praise the Lord for Jesus. Verse 16. Now we get to male specific discharges. If any man seed of copulation, way to go, King James people. That's almost worse. (laughs) If any man's seed of copulation go out from him, well, then he shall wash all his flesh in water and be unclean until the evening. And then every garment and every skin whereon the seed of copulation, wherein is, shall be washed with water and be unclean until the evening. So these would be obviously involuntary discharges that happen sometimes, especially as, as you get older and the body stops having as much control. And if that's the case, an involuntary emission of semen, your uncleanness only lasted a day since it wasn't a continual discharge. And so once you cleaned the clothes and you were woke up the next morning and you, you were clean, then it was fine. You go right back into the worship community. Verse 18 is where it gets interesting. Now the woman also with whom the man shall lie with seed of copulation, they shall both bathe themselves in water and be unclean until the evening. The word lie there, of course, means to have sex. So, you know, some people read this and are like, what? So if you have sex, you know, you can't go to church? Pretty much what he's saying here. It's either sex or church. <laughs> No. So what, what's going on here? Well, some people make the mistake of, of saying that sex made them unclean and therefore sex is dirty. Some have even suggested that this byproduct of sex and this happening in sex, how babies are made, the transfer of information, that it was part of the fall, not God's original plan for procreation. I don't really know why someone would say that or get that. I'm not saying that's not the case, but I do think that would be improper because we do see Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall and they're naked and unashamed. So I do think sex is part of God's plan for marriage. And so they're in the context, we see them that way in the context of marriage. So I don't think that's the case. Nor do we see here that they need an offering for cleansing. So it can't be sinful. Sex is not dirty or sinful or just a necessary evil as some have taught in the church. So the question then is, well, then what's going on here? Why every time, you know, they're intimate, why do they have to be unclean until the evening? And you have to remember the reason it says evening is because the new day, Jewish day starts at 6 p.m. So their day actually starts at night and that's how it works. And the reason for that is because in Genesis, it says in the evening and the morning were the first day. That's how they count their days. They do it differently than we do, which is why Sabbath starts on Friday night at 6 p.m. What's going on here? Well, I, I think it's something similar to the New Testament teaching on the sexual relationship. Remember in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, that it says, you know, listen, if you're married, don't defraud or deprive each other from the intimate relationship with one exception, right? Except it be for prayer and fasting. So if you have a time period that you have said, we're gonna seek the Lord about something, and we're going to be praying and fasting, then at that time, you're not going to be intimate because your focus is supposed to be on fasting, denying the body and and seeking the Lord. What most commentators believe, and I would agree with it, is that these times of worship in Israel, those times they were to focus on seeking the Lord. And if they couldn't wait until the next day, since they were supposed to be seeking the Lord on those special days, then that made them ceremonially unclean. They were putting the body first instead of the Lord. You know, there are times when you should do that. You should have a time where you just seek the Lord and it's not time for that. Now, every other time is time for that. But otherwise, there are times to seek the Lord. And so most commentators believe this is not a reference to every time they had sex, but rather to those times 
when worship events were coming up and they were supposed to be basically in an attitude of repentance, in an attitude of seeking God for things that might need to change in their life, fasting sometimes, praying. And in that time, they shouldn't be doing this. And if they do, well then church or sex. And at that point in time, the choice should have been church, going out to worship the Lord and getting their heart right with him. We also have to remember that the pagan nations associated sex with worship. And while the act of lovemaking between a husband and a wife is an act of worship to God because you're obeying God's commands, truth is you become one flesh in a marriage. You don't become one spirit. The part of us that fellowships with God. We tell people when we do their premarital counseling, you become one flesh. You don't become one soul. You still have your individual personalities, your individual likes and dislikes and dreams and goals in the sense of what makes you tick, you become one flesh. It just means you need to take those things and work together now with them. But you also don't become one spirit. The part of us that fellowships with God. I don't have a relationship with God through Beverly and she doesn't have a relationship with God through me. We don't all of a sudden spiritually mind meld. I have my own walk with the Lord. I need my own devotion time, my own prayer time, my own things I'm seeking him for. They still had their individual relationship with God and as such, there were times to be separate to God alone. And so what most people think is the idea here is, This is a time when they should have been doing that, but they didn't. And if that's the case, well, you can't just waltz into church. And as the theme of Leviticus is about being different, called to be holy, their worship of God wasn't to resemble the sex parties of the pagans. So when a couple did this, they couldn't just waltz into the worship community as if, oh yeah, we're solely focused on the Lord the whole time, when really you've been focused on each other. And in that moment, that wasn't the time for that. Every other time is, but those few moments of the year where God was asking for their full attention It should not be the case at that time. That's my best guess. Verse 19, to female-specific discharges. Now, if a woman have an issue and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart for seven days, and whosoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. And it's interesting, some cultures did exactly that. If a woman was having a time of her cycle, they would lock her up somewhere and leave her alone and be like, we'll come get you in a week. That is not at all what's being said here. In fact, the King James folks, they made some bad translations here because that's how sometimes they viewed women. It says here, if a woman has her time of her cycle, the phrase there, of course, the one unique bleeding issue for a woman is the time of her cycle. And in that case, there were rules that applied, similar rules. If it's that case, it says, she shall be put apart seven days. The word there, put apart, it actually is a bad translation. It just means she'll be ceremonially impure for the seven days. Now, the reason seven days is because while a woman's period normally lasts between four to five days, seven days would cover it just in case it was strong and went long. It also ensured that there would be no more bleeding by that time and she would be completely clean. Because if there was, there was something wrong and we'll cover that in a later verse. This begs the question of, of whether a woman would have had a period before the fall, if they would have had that whole experience before the fall of of Adam and Eve. What's interesting is women will not have them in heaven uh, with their new bodies. And that when you look at part of the curse, it's pain associated with childbearing. And I've never experienced this because I'm a man, but I've been told that this time of the month is quite uncomfortable for women. So I can't help but wonder. Uh, I don't know, but my guess is I don't think it was that way in the garden. That's my guess, which is why this made her unclean. This was a part of the fall. I'm not gonna like, die on that hill, but that's my guess. God didn't tell them to lock her in a room where it says put her apart. That's not what it says. It just means she's ceremonially defiled. In the same way the guy was ceremonially defiled if he had an involuntary discharge or if there was some bleeding or some other case. She was still, in other words, to do normal life as evidenced by how things she touched during this time would make her and people that touch those things unclean too, just like the guy if he had a problem. So verse 20, and everything that she lies upon in her separation, again, they translate it separation. It means just the time of her defilement where she's unclean. Well, then that'll be unclean. 
and everything also that she sits upon shall be unclean, just like the guy. So there's no difference here. And as I said, I think the King James did a little bit of disservice to women in the way it translated it here, because if there's any time when our our wives need us, or if you have a mom, you know, and you, you live there, it's, it's during this time. They, they're not feeling very happy and not feeling very pretty and not feeling very comfortable. And, you know, that's the time when you cook dinner and you, you do something special and you make her feel like she's a thousand bucks because she doesn't feel that way at that moment in time. Verse 21, and whosoever touches her bed shall have to wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and shall be unclean until the evening. Nothing new there. We've already covered it. Whosoever touches anything that she sat upon, well, he's got to wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And if it be on her bed, in other words, if it happens in the night or something and it spills off onto the bed or on anything whereon she sits, when he touches it, well, then he's unclean until the evening. Verse 24, and if any man lie with her at all and her flowers be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days and all the bed whereon he lies shall be unclean. So if they are to have sex during her cycle discharge, then he has to wait out that whole period as well. And so for seven days, I'm sorry, buddy, but you're going to join her in your uncleanness. And when it's done, then you can go worship. This is interesting because Leviticus 20.18, when it deals with the sexual prohibitions, things that are not allowed, it lists sexual relations during her period as an abomination. It's not allowed. What this means here is you didn't know. In other words, she gets her period while you're being intimate, and it was done ignorantly. On the other hand, if you don't do it ignorantly, then it was something that God considered when he spoke to them that was wrong. There is no such prohibition in the New Testament as the ceremonial laws do not apply to us. Only God's moral laws apply to us. So I have literally and want to say literally nothing on that. Verse 25. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation or if it run beyond the time of her separation. So in other words, this is now a health concern. Now you have an abnormal cycle discharge. So if something is wrong, the time has gone beyond the natural cycle. If that's the case, well, now some other rules are going to apply. So in that case, it says that all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. So until the bleeding stops, you are still unclean. So seven days might come, but if your period has gone beyond that, well, then you don't get off on that day. You're not clean on that day. You have to wait till it stops. Even though that's not normal, you have to wait till it stops. Verse 26, every bed whereon she lies all the days of her issue, the same thing applies, shall be unto her as the bed of her separation, whosoever sits upon shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her separation. Whosoever touches those things shall be unclean, shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. But, and here's the difference, this is because it was unnatural. Her regular menstrual period, there was no offering required. But here, if she be cleansed of her issue, then she shall number to herself seven days to make sure it's healed and everything's okay. And after that, she shall be clean. And then on the eighth day, just like the guy, she shall take her two turtle doves or two young pigeons, bring them unto the priest to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness. Verse 31, now we get to the purpose for the laws of discharge. Very clear here. Thus shall you separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness. The word there, separate, means to consecrate or dedicate by special conditions of separation. They're going to be different, and because of their differences than other people, it's going to separate them and consecrate them to the Lord. Why? Keep reading. That they die not in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. 
This is the idea behind it. This is the why of the laws of cleanness, all of them. It had nothing to do with health or hygiene, but everything to do with being a different people than everyone else around them. All of it symbolized how their lives were to be morally clean, morally different than those that worshiped other gods. And so verse 32, this is the law of him that has an issue and of him whose seed goes from him and is defiled therewith and of her that is sick of her flowers. King James is good for something. And of him that has an issue of the man and the woman and of him that lies with her that is unclean and we're done. Ne'er to return. (laughs) Who says Leviticus isn't fun for you? (laughs) That last principle there, I think, is what speaks to us. Because Jesus gave us a set of principles as well that differentiate ourselves from the world. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5. It all comes together in verse 1. Seeing the multitudes, Jesus, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, sat down, his disciples came unto him. So this is for us. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How much pride do we see out there? I mean, just go on your social media page and there's just arrogance everywhere. Like you have one group who thinks we have arrived and and the world is a better place. You know, forget Jesus. We've got a new president. And then you've got a whole nother group who thinks the world just ended. And you know what? Last I checked, I woke up this morning and the thing's still spinning. And last I checked, it's still got its issues. So Jesus needs to come. We have to be so careful. What differentiates us from the world is not that prideful attitude, not that, you know, haughty, arrogant attitude that we've got the answers and you're just a dumb liberal or a dumb conservative. These things ought not be on our social media pages. These things ought not be what we're saying and what we're communicating. We should be very humble in all of our communications. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You remember that you're spiritually poor, that you bring nothing to the table, that Jesus had to rescue you, just like he has to rescue those poor souls that you think are stupid. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how we show we're different. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I remember there was a, a guy who is during the Iraq war and, and he had a lot of negative things to say about Christians. And he found out I was a Christian. And so we would converse from time to time about things. And for one time he pulled me aside and he said, well, he said, I don't get it. How come when you guys drop bombs on Iraqis and kids and women are destroyed, you guys are all excited. Think, yeah, we're winning the battle or whatever. I said to him, I'm not excited about that. I said, I'm not even excited when, when a terrorist dies. I said, I'm glad that they were brought to justice. I said, but I'm not excited. It's very likely that human being didn't know the Lord and is separated from him for all eternity. And that breaks my heart. You know what he said to me? He goes, I've never met a Christian like you. That first broke my heart. The Bible says our hearts should be moved with these things. Yes, we applaud justice, but we should also mourn. The Lord said, forgive them, Father. They don't even know what they're doing. The very people who nailed them to the cross. We should have the same mindset because we'll be the ones who'll be comforted when we stand before the Lord someday. Blessed are the meek. Meekness refers to that humility in the sense of you are fully within your right to do something. They deserve it and you hold back. Jesus is the only attribute he described himself by. He said, I'm meek and lowly of heart. Come unto me. Come unto me for I'm meek and lowly of heart. I'll give you rest. They're the ones that will inherit the earth. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What do we hunger and thirst after? Hey, did you see the new Game of Thrones episode? No, because that's pornography. I know I'm touching areas when I say that. Really, why don't you watch that stuff? Well, I prefer not to watch people having sex. That's not right. What's wrong with that? 
Well, let me tell you what, how God created marriage. Let me tell you what my God is like. Let me tell you about his pure love for me. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. James said, mercy triumphs over judgment, justice. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, sincerity. Blessed are the peacemakers. Man, a lot of Christians are troublemakers and we ought not be. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We're like him. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. How many times we get persecuted for righteousness' sake and we just razz back. We should be walking away like disciples going, man, we were worthy to be counted for persecution. Worthy to be counted in the name of Christ. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In fact, blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Listen, he gives us these set of principles that differentiate us, that show us why we're different, how we're different. And then he says this, all of it's in context, just like Israel. These are our kingdom laws. These are our laws. These are our principles that we abide by. And so in light of this, because of how we're different, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its, its savor, its flavor, its saltiness, then with what shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. And when you don't look any different than the world, and then you try to bring them your Jesus, that's exactly what they want to do. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel basket, but they put it on a lampstand, a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. So here's the kicker. Here's the point. Let your light so shine in this way. So shine with these principles, living this way, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The same reason as we've been covering the dietary laws and the laws of cleanliness and everything else we're going to find in Leviticus, that it would differentiate them so they could point the way to Jesus. As Christians, let's live different lives that point the way to Jesus. Amen? First John tells us we've been a cleansed people. Just like they were to be a clean people, we've been a cleansed people. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us from sin every day, right? We've been a cleansed people and we're continually being cleansed by the blood of Jesus as we walk in the light. So let's walk in the light. Let's walk as clean people, walking worthy of our calling. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for, if nothing, the humor of Leviticus. And yet, Lord, there is a sobering part there because it shows us just how holy you are. That not even a speck of something that represents the fall can enter into your presence. And so, Lord, when we understand that, and now we realize that our home is heaven and we're going to be in your presence for all eternity, we we look and think, how? And, And you say, the blood of my dear son, which cleanses you from all sin, And Lord, we thank you for that. And now we want to live in such a way that we walk appropriately to that calling. That we don't live according to the desires of our flesh. That we don't live like the world does, Lord, but we live by your principles, not in our own strength, but by your spirit. That we might be those lights that are set on a hill that all the world will know and they would glorify you. Help us to do that, Lord. We commit our lives to being clean before you. In Jesus' name, amen. God desires a holy people, people set apart for his purposes and for his will. This means we will look different from the rest of the world. And this is because God is different than the rest of the world. He is on his throne, 
sitting in absolute glory, and one day we will see him face to face. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross to wash our sins away, God is so good. If you have any spiritual or physical need, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.